The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. Third and eight to the running game. Burdick has room, and Iowa first down and touchdown. Iowa takes the lead on a third down run by Damon Bullock. 22 yards. Tom Damon Bullock looked like he was shot out of a cannon off the left side. That's an awesome job at the point of attack. Fedorowicz, the tight end, just pushes out and blocks out on Allen Baxter, and that was the block that springs Bullock into the end zone. Hello, Hawkeye fans. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeye's Mike. We have two reporters' notebook segments in this podcast, featuring Scott Docterman, who previews Iowa's upcoming game against the Iowa State Cyclones at Kinnick Stadium, and Steve Batterson, who looks back at the Hawks' opening season win over Northern Illinois at Soldier Field in Chicago. You'll also hear from the opposing coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and Paul Rhodes from Iowa State. This Hawkeye's Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs this year, which include regulars Brent Balbinat and Marv Cook, as well as a number of Hawkeyes beat reporters and columnists, including the Gazette's Scott Docterman, the Hawkeyes Susan Dank, and the Quad City Times' Steve Batterson. Next Monday, be sure to check out Brent Balbinat's press box report from the Iowa State game, and also listen to yesterday's release of Marv Cook's X's and O's show, reviewing the NIU contest and previewing Iowa State. The Iowa NIU game highlights are courtesy of ESPNU, with announcers Tom Hart and John Congemi. A nice job calling this contest. We very much appreciate it and thank them. And broadcast school has really paid off. This will be stretching the distance at 50 yards. He missed a 40-yarder. This would tie Mike Myers high from last year, the junior from Dubuque, Iowa. He's been all the offense for the Hawkeyes today. Trying to play that win, and he cuts it through. Iowa does cash in on a nice 50-yard field goal by Mike Myers, tying his long from last year. They needed the points right there. That was a great drive, and to come away empty would have been heartbreaking. Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes and remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group in Coralville, Iowa. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Call in and express your opinions about the Hawks. To make your voice heard on HawkeyesMike.com, call toll-free 866-74-HAWKS and join our guest experts on weekly podcasts. Time now for part one of our Reporter's Notebook with Steve Batterson. You can read Steve's articles in the Quad City Times and online at qctimes.com and hockamania.com. Steve looks back at the Northern Illinois game. Steve, Iowa's season opener had several surprises, just not necessarily the ones many expected. A defense that improved as the game went on, special teams that were nearly perfect, and an offense that often looked inept, out of sync, and about as conservative as it can get. Yeah, you're right. It's one of those things that uh, it was, a, in some ways, a typical first game for a young team. Uh, some surprises, some probably areas where they were pleased more so than what they anticipated, and probably some areas where uh, disappointment would pretty much 
characterize what transpired. There's been a lot of talk already about how the offense really isn't any different or that there's really no change. I'm not sure I completely agree with that, at least in the sense that you continually saw Iowa showing a lot more looks offensively, and they were constantly mixing them up. And a couple of series, you never even saw the same look twice. But ultimately, the play calling looked fairly similar and was certainly extremely conservative. Well, I, I think it was conservative for a, for a purpose uh, in, in several respects. I think, one, uh, it's the first game. I think you've got a lot of new bodies out there. And I, I think that the, intentionally, uh, you know, they wanted to make sure the guys were able to get comfortable, kind of uh, uh, just ease themselves into the positions. Uh, you know, there's no need to, to, to run a bunch of uh, old Hayden Fry exotic type things at this point. It's, it's get guys used to being out there, used to being in the roles that they're going to be asked to be in this season and, and take it from there. And, and I think we saw a lot of that. I mean, if you take a look at the first drive, I mean, they, they, I, I felt mixed things up pretty well between the run and the pass. Uh, they also allowed Damon Bullock to, to, to establish himself, uh, um, you know, as, a, as the main ball carrier. And, and uh, it was a fairly effective drive. I mean, they moved down the field. They certainly struggled once they got into the red zone. And that was a theme that we saw play out again and again all day long. And, you know, that, that certainly provides uh, plenty of work for this week. But uh, I thought it was, it was a, a decent foundation. Uh, if you go back and kind of break down what they did on first down, uh, uh, you know, from start to finish, they, they had, uh, I believe it was 35 opportunities, and, and uh, 17 of them were, were passes, or excuse me, 18 was pa- were passes, and, and 17 of them were runs. So, you know, I, I thought I would did a fairly decent job of mixing things up. Um, and and as, you, as you alluded to, uh, they certainly did get some folks involved. I mean, we saw the tight end much more involved than what we saw the tight end in the past. That's, that's certainly uh, something playing to Iowa's strengths that uh, we will certainly see moving forward, I would suspect, too. Do you think any of this was a deliberate attempt to keep it at least a bit vanilla before you get to the Iowa State week? If they did, it was certainly a high-risk uh, choice. Well, I, I think you're not going to necessarily put all your cards out on the table in, in any given week. I, I think that uh, what you try to do is take a look at the opponents that you're facing and and also maybe keep one eye to the future, but uh, you know certainly you're going to want to put yourself in a position where you're going to be able to win the football game. And you know I, I think what we saw was uh, a very vanilla attack, uh, somewhat intentionally, but also I, I think the main intent was really to, to kind of let folks get a get a good foundation, get a good base to build off of, feeling that that would be enough to uh, to uh, defeat Northern Illinois, which certainly uh, um, I felt did a, a wonderful job of game planning for Iowa. Uh, you know the aggression that we saw from them defending was uh, something that maybe they hadn't shown necessarily as frequently in the past. And, and uh, it certainly exposed some some areas that Iowa must work on, especially on, on the offensive line where, uh, you know, the tackles seemed to really struggle uh, to deal with uh, with the pressure they were seeing from Northern. And, and I think that's something that uh, is going to have to be addressed this week or Iowa may find itself in a similar situation in another week. Yeah, you just alluded to the aggressiveness of the Huskies' defense, and also it's a pretty veteran defensive team. But in the past, James Vandenberg has had some fairly noticeable deficiencies. He, he often seems to panic in the pocket. He kind of gets happy feet. He, he misses receivers and often does it badly. He's a fifth-year quarterback, and yet he he did a lot of those same things last Saturday. How concerned are you and how concerned do you think Iowa fans should be about that, that it seems like there maybe isn't the improvement you might have expected out of a fifth-year senior? Yeah, it, it, certainly we saw a lot of the things that we've seen in, in, in past games from James. 
and, and that is concerning. And, and I think that's an area that, uh, you know, is, uh, you know, it, it may be he is what he is. And um, it, it's going to take a fairly solid effort up front. I mean, you know, some people talk a lot about the fact that Iowa really didn't go deep much on Saturday. Well, a lot of that had to do with, frankly, he didn't have time to, to go deep with anybody. The protection up front wasn't at the level that it needed to be to give him that kind of time to make anything happen. And, and when, when Iowa, when he was looking deep, uh, Northern had him pretty well covered. And, and you know, it was just a situation, I think, that uh, there was a lot of learning taking place. James is, is uh, uh, you know, is a fifth-year senior. You, you would expect some improvement. Um, I, I think we'll see improvement over the course of the season, but... Uh, it certainly wasn't apparent on, on Saturday. The failure to stretch that NIU defense with some downfield passes, he only threw one beyond 10 yards. Obviously, as you just mentioned, there's a combination of reasons for that, but that certainly has to change for the team to have any real success going forward this year. And I know offensive coordinator Greg Davis has mentioned several times uh, Iowa's lack of speed at those skill positions, but the receivers can't be that slow, can they? I mean, and have that much trouble creating separation. You would hope not. Uh, we're we're going we're gonna to find out a lot more this next weekend, and uh, you know, and I think it's it's certainly quickness uh, is an issue. I, I think it's an athleticism. I think is an issue uh, not only at the receiver positions, but I think up front offensively as well. And I think that combination uh, really created some problems for Iowa on, on Saturday. And I think it's a it's a situation that uh, you know, frankly, uh, it's going to take recruiting to to correct. And, and there is no quick fix. You, you can you could you know you can only make a kid as fast as he is. And, and right now, I was not blessed with with great team speed on the offensive side of the ball. It's just it's just a situation that they're in. Talk about Damon Bullock's performance. That was probably a lot more than most fans expected. I certainly think the number of carries were, and and, and Damon was uh, was solid. Um, you know, we had uh, you know we knew that uh, that he had some pass catching skills, and, and he kind of caught a couple of balls that, that certainly helped. But, uh, I think I think the uh, the strength of his runs and, and the durability that he showed on Saturday is is uh, is fairly encouraging. Iowa needed a back, uh, whether it be Damon or someone else, to kind of step forward and, and uh, assume ownership of that position. And he certainly took a step in that direction. You know, we're going to see more of Greg Garman uh, moving forward. Uh, we didn't see much of him on Saturday, but uh, uh, coaches are fairly pleased with what the, what they have seen from him on, on the practice field. And, and, you know, Michael Malloy is still waiting for his first carry, and, and Kurt alluded to after the game that that's going to come sooner rather than later. And, and uh, you know, uh, it's going to be a necessity for Iowa to get some of those young backs some experience as well down the road. But I, I think game situations uh, uh, dictated Saturday that Damon be the guy out there. There's certainly a trust factor. Uh, now it should be pointed out that he that he did fumble a couple of times as, as he was as he was uh, heading out of bounds. And you know if those fumbles had bounced the other way, uh, we might be talking about an entirely different situation. And as you all know, ball security is, is uh, job one with those guys, and uh, that's certainly one area that uh, there's going to be a need for improvement uh, very quickly from him if, if he hopes to continue in that role. And yeah, not to pick on Ken O'Keefe anymore because he's in. Miami, but one of the things I, I think that I saw at least Saturday, the biggest single change on offense was the substantial improvement in clock management. It seemed as if Ken rarely got a play call in with more than 16 seconds on the play clock, which obviously created issues for the quarterback getting the play called in the huddle and getting everybody out and then left little time to, to maybe 
audible at the line of scrimmage or make adjustments. It seemed Saturday that Greg Davis, and of course this is the first year that both coordinators for Iowa have been up in the booth in, in Ferentz's entire tenure, but Davis consistently had that play call in and the quarterback was making the call in the huddle with 25 seconds left on the play clock. Yeah, they, the, the game was called at the pace that I think Greg Davis wanted to be called at, maybe even a little slower at some points, but, but I think uh, you know what, what we saw was where they hope to get to. And, uh, um, you know, Greg has, has talked from, from day one about, about you know, the, the need to be able to, to execute tempo in a fashion that uh, not only uh, creates rhythm but also creates some difficulty for the opposing defense. And I think we saw kind of the, you know, the, the birth of that last week. It's certainly a, it's a tempo that Iowa's been practicing at, and it's a tempo that we're going to have to get used to seeing because that's the way they're going to play the game. And, you know, I think it does it does create a, a more flow offensively potentially as long as there's execution. We saw the one series in the first half where things were maybe going a little too fast, and Iowa ended up burning a timeout there just to kind of, I think, settle things down. And, and kind of reset, if you will, and it's part of the process. Um, and uh, this is this is a, uh, a wise old coach I used to to cover used to say it's much better to be green and growing than to be ripe and rotting. And and uh, this is a this is a green and growing type team right now. And and uh, uh, you know, I, and it's a green and growing team that's going to work at a, at a pretty crisp pace. And and I think Iowa fans are going to come to like that. I mean, it's it certainly you know there, there certainly wasn't any hesitation in terms of what plays were being called before quarterbacks have some options uh, out of out of those plays based on what they're seeing defensively and and I think that uh um, you know, it, it was a start, and it's certainly a step in the right direction. Other than the 73-yard run by Northern Illinois quarterback Jordan Lynch, and historically Iowa's defense just doesn't give up long runs, either touchdown runs or almost any time from the line of scrimmage, but the defense played fairly well, had some key big plays at key moments in the game, and seemed to improve a lot as the game went along, certainly in the second half. And that's the one thing that really stood out, was the defense seemed to improve with each series, and, and I I think that uh, um, you know again some some jitters, some some nerves early on, and I think what we saw was some growth in the second half and as they adjusted to what Northern was doing. Um, I think they simplified a few things at halftime just to, to kind of keep things close to the base and, and to make things as easy as possible. And and uh, we certainly saw in the second half, uh, you know, it was next to impossible for Northern to move the chains. I think uh, uh, they ended up with something like three first downs after halftime, and and one and one of those was. That 73-yard run. So you know, it, it certainly was a, a much more productive effort on the defensive side of the ball, especially up front where there had been a ton of questions, and, they, and I think Iowa answered a few of those. And, you know, we're, we're, we saw a rotation. We're going to continue to see a rotation, and, and I think that's a good thing. Um, I, I think what what the coaches are probably looking for right now are combinations that kind of tend to work better in certain situations, and uh, you know, that that will be uh, kind of the task moving forward for for Reese Morgan to. Uh, to settle on how those guys work in, in sync and, and in harmony, uh, you know, dependent upon game situations. But some real growth, and, and I thought, uh, you know, Joe Gaglium had a nice game. We saw some some uh, some you know solid play from a you know from a couple of newcomers. Cooper had a had a good game. Uh, Trenta Passat gave them the, you know good effort. He, 
it's a good start for a defense that had a lot of questions, particularly on the front end. And those guys are going to need to come and, and be fairly consistent from one week to the next. And if I was going to end up having much of a season this year, and, and uh, it, that's kind of on their shoulders. And I, it's one of those things that uh, it, it was a solid start, uh, certainly something to build off of. Did you notice much difference, even nuanced, in the defensive approach with Phil Parker calling the plays? Not a ton. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, certainly they, they uh, you know, they're committing a, a few more guys to the box just to, just to kind of take a little bit of that pressure off, off of the uh, off of the line from time to time. But, uh, you know, and I think we're going to continue to see that. I think it's, uh, one, it's a common sense uh, answer to, to the situation I was in with the inexperience up front. But, uh, two, it also, I think, plays well to the strength of the personnel. And, and uh, I think Iowa's defense has been, you know, traditionally a, a pretty solid unit over time. And, and um, you know, I, I don't anticipate seeing a lot of wholesale changes there, and, I, and we certainly didn't last week. Punting game looks like it might be okay, maybe even better than that, and downfield coverage on both punts and kickoffs looked about as solid as it has in several seasons. Yeah, I, you know, I, I was I was impressed with what we saw of Connor Thornbrass as a true freshman, and I, and I like the fact that uh, they were willing and, and able to, to trot uh, John Wanky out there uh, for a shorter punt, and I, I think that is only going to help. Uh, you know, if they continue to kind of use him as a short game guy and and uh, and let uh, and let Cornbrath kind of uh, concentrate on, on more of the distance type situations, one it reduces pressure on him as a true freshman, and uh, it also provides uh, Wanky with a, with a role that, that if he can consistently deliver like he did on on Saturday in, in a critical situation, thanks in, in part to, to some uh, some work by Greg Castillo. You know, I, I think that's a, that's a very, uh, a very uh, solid one-two situation that, that could develop there, and, and it certainly I think bodes well for the future. It certainly helps a freshman when he can go out and, and knock a 51-yarder down in his first punt, and, and I was a little surprised maybe that Northern didn't try to get more pressure on that, but uh, but that's uh, the way things played out, and, and, and it was, uh, you know, a, a solid day all around there. Uh, you know, Mike Meyer, obviously he had a, had a decent day kicking the football and a Big Ten post special teams player of the week. And then, you know, without his foot, Iowa would have been in a heap of trouble on, on Saturday for sure. Any stats in particular jump out at you? Well, you know what? I, I think, you know, probably probably more so on the offensive end, Iowa averaged 2.8 yards per rush on Saturday. And, that, and that, frankly, that's not good enough. Um, and, and it won't be good enough uh, moving forward. But, uh, uh, you know, that that's a little concerning. Uh, you know, the fact that, that uh, you know, they averaged 6.1 yards on, on completions, I think, uh, you know, it certainly is a little disturbing as well, but somewhat reflective of, of the nature of the passing game that, uh, that Iowa deployed on Saturday. But uh, those are numbers that are going to have to come up if Iowa is going to have hopes of, of being a, a solid offensive club. And, and I, I think that's kind of where, where things are at right now. Um, you know, defensively, they limited Northern to, to uh, 4.1 uh, on, on the rush, and, and, and that's not that's not a bad number. I mean, that's a fairly average number, and, and you know, one of those things that uh, it's a good starting point. Uh, but offensively, those two numbers really jump off the page, and that's something that's going to have to to improve if, if Iowa hopes to be the kind of football team that thinks it can be. How much improvement do you expect to see this Saturday in in the Iowa State game? And are you looking for any changes in approach? A little more open approach offensively or a little more aggressive on defense? Well, I, I would suspect so. I'm in both areas. I, I do think that, uh, um, you know, I think Iowa probably will go deep a few more times. I, I, I would be stunned if, if we saw just one pass of, of attempt of, of 10 yards or longer. I mean, that's, that's not what Iowa has been about in the past, and, and it, it isn't what 
Greg Davis has been about in the past either. And, and I think that, uh, you know, once, uh, once things start getting going in the passing game, um, you know, I think, I think Iowa will, will open it up. And I think they certainly will try to open it up against Iowa State. Well, Iowa State's going to be fairly quick as well. Uh, you know, uh, defensively, Iowa's going to have its hands full. They've got another, you know, a field chance was, uh, was, uh, put together an incredible performance against Iowa a year ago in Ames. And, and, uh, you know, he's healthy again, which, uh, he, he wasn't during the second half of last season. It, it certainly is, uh, you know, the type of situation where Iowa's going to have another spread offense to deal with. And, Traditionally, it has meant trouble. So we'll see what uh, what plays out. But that's uh, it's going to be another uh, uh, you know task filled week for for Iowa on both sides of the ball if they hope to make the progress that, that is needed. Have you come up with a prediction for that game yet? You know what, I haven't yet. I mean, I'm just kind of in the process. I, I, I do think that uh, much like last year, I think it's going to be a fairly close game, and it, it's going to come down to you know to an experienced kicker like like a Mike Meyer having a, another pretty solid day. And you know, I, I could see this being a, a you know a, a, a 27-24 kind of game and and you know if you look at the kicker situation Iowa certainly has some experience Iowa State's breaking in a new guy this year so that may be the deciding factor in this game what if we're still doing this when we're 50 it would be nice to have that kind of job security five wide here goes Lynch with that run and he's got a first down and more to midfield and Jordan Lynch with the biggest gain of the day Jordan Lynch takes it all the way. 73-yard sprint for the first-year starter. They do it by play design. Mike Dunbar spreads everybody out, and now it's all up to the quarterback. Once he breaks that first line of defense, it's all about making somebody miss in speed, and can he outrun all the white jerseys? How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on up to 10 washings, moisturizes, alcohol-free, and safe for the kids. So go ahead, touch anything and everything. Ooh, a toilet. Prefins, keep your hands germ-free all day. Next, we hear from the head coaches in this Saturday's game. First up, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz. Ferentz was asked about his offensive line play against Northern Illinois, given the fact that the Hawkeyes gave up six sacks, but on the other hand, paved the way for Damon Bullock's 150 rushing yards. It's a mix of both. I think our whole team was like that. We did a lot of good things uh, Saturday, certainly enough to win uh, against a good team, but uh, there are an awful lot of things that we can improve upon, some very obvious and some more subtle. But the good news is I think we have a team that's capable of improvement I felt like that uh, you know coming out of spring ball felt like that coming out of the preseason and feel even more so that now. Ferentz talks about his starting running back Damon Bullock. You know we, we didn't know I think I said that going into the game we, we didn't know what to expect and not not in a negative way but it, you know the facts are the facts he had uh, 10 carries last year and I wasn't counting it I've just read it several times so you know we, we didn't know what to expect and that's that's really true of a lot of our players uh, and he, he made a lot of a lot of uh Plays where, you know, he probably could have done better. And, uh, you know, I think he saw that on Sunday. I think he knew that probably Saturday. But on the positive side, he did a lot of good things, certainly. And I think the most positive thing to me, two things, he uh, finished the ball game 
with, with carrying a heavy load. And then secondly, finish it strong, you know, and I think our whole team did that. But uh, he, he in particular uh, obviously made the touchdown run. But I think maybe uh, as impressive to me was getting the first down with the next two runs, you know, on that uh, last possession. So uh, those were tough yards, and he did a good job there. So I, yeah, that was a huge step for him. Hopefully it'll do a lot for his confidence. And uh, But all that being said, you know, he's he's still a young player. Ferentz addressed how his team will try to keep Cyclones quarterback Steel Jantz in check. Yeah, it might be a good idea if we try to keep him, you know, uh, contained a little bit and you learn in football, somebody's got to contain. And we, we kind of forgot that last year. So, and it's easier said than done. Uh, Tulsa struggled with that a little bit at times, too. You know, he's, he's a very good athlete. And uh, you know, with their scheme, it, it makes it tough to, it's easier to say that than do it. Depends on the call and the formation, all that thing. You know, somebody always has contained, though. It's just part of defense. And uh, if it breaks down, you, you really run the risk of being in trouble. And we, we found that the hard way last year. Kirk was asked about the play of his defensive line and its improvement over the course of the game. You know, it was a good start. And uh, most pleasing prize, Dom Alvis, you know, really had a good game. He has, I don't want to say he's been struggling, but he's been laboring in camp. I may have said that, uh, you know, a week or two ago. And that, you know, he's coming back from an injury and you don't just get out there and ride full speed. You know, you don't get on that bike and go full speed. You're trying, but you don't. That was probably, quite frankly, his best day. Uh, I think it was our 30th time with a helmet on uh, since we started. Luckily for us, 30 was his best one. So, you know, I think that'll give him some confidence now. And uh, he, he's really our only really experienced guy up there. So that was good for everybody else, too, to have him playing low the way he did. Overall, played better defense in the second half. I think that's been overlooked. And, and I've, I've sat in a million meetings where, you know, I've heard people say, well, you know, if you took this play, this play, this play away, that would have really been a good game. Well, you can't do that. And you can't play good defense giving up big plays. And that, that's what we did there in that uh, second half. But uh, we, we improved. You know, we improved. And it's that's a young group of guys. So that's, that's a big step for us, hopefully. Ferentz was asked about Iowa State's improvement under Paul Rhodes. Yeah, I'm, I'm hardly an expert on him. But I, I think the one thing that's clear to me several years later now is that and everybody's got, I think, a plan or a vision when they come to a place. Uh, certainly, you know, if you, if you don't, you probably shouldn't get hard. And uh, but the biggest thing is they've stuck to their plan. From from my vantage point, I'm, I'm just one person speaking. But when I watch our tape, that that's what I see. They they have a pretty good idea of what they want to be offensively, defensively, special teams. It hasn't changed a lot, I don't think, since he's been there. Other than their plan, better. You know, their players are better now. They're more experienced. Uh, they're experienced in their system. And, uh, you know, they really do a good job. And that, that's what good teams do, I think, whether, you know, whatever your, your style of play may be, uh, whatever you choose it to be, it's, it's having an identity and then really working to, to be good in that identity. And uh, they, they've really done a good job of that, including special teams. And the most important ingredient of the players playing hard and playing really sound. And their guys do that, uh, do a great job of that. Only three true freshmen saw action for the Hawkeyes in their season opener. Ferentz was asked if that will hold true for the season. Yeah, time will tell how that works out. But uh, in a perfect world, if we could keep it where it's at, uh, you know, we'd be fine with that. Uh, that may change as we move forward. Certainly, you know, you start getting guys that can't play injury-wise, that type of thing, and what have you. But, I, you know, in a perfect world, I'd still rather prefer to redshirt players, uh, but the world's not perfect. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. But uh, the guys that played got their feet wet, and that was good. And, you know, we'll have some ups and downs with them, sure. If we can keep it there, that's great. If not, we have a couple other guys that we're looking at, and we'll just see how the next several weeks go. And Kirk talks about the progress and development of place kicker Mike Meyer, who played a big role in Iowa's season opening win. He didn't have a perfect game the other day, and, and he wishes he had and we all do, because uh, that made it a little bit more interesting. But he, the thing about what happened on Saturday, in my mind, the, the highlight of the whole thing was the way he bounced back from that. Because, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to go in the tank when you miss one that you feel like you can make. And I think that's probably... Uh, 
representative that kind of, you know, to me, he's a much more mature player than he was a year ago or two years ago. And, uh, you know, I saw that confidence growing in the spring. T- typically, confidence is the result of practicing well and then performing well at some point. But uh, he's really prepared well. He's worked hard. He's, he's gotten better each and every uh, segment, if you will, and had an excellent preseason, too. So, you know, we're, we're not only confident he's going to be a good player this year, we're counting on that. And, you know, I'd lump him. We have a bunch of guys in that junior class that I think are like that, that are ready to really play good football. And Mike's uh, certainly in that group. So it was great to see him do what he did. Next, we hear from Iowa State head coach Paul Rhodes. Rhodes shared his impressions of Iowa State's play in the season opener against Tulsa, especially about how his team bounced back after falling behind early. Well, I thought the second and third quarters we played uh, very well. Um, we, we give up the safety, and, and then we have a turnover, and and uh, they jump out to a, a first quarter lead, and, and uh, uh, we were a little listless on the sideline, and then we get the turnover caused by Jake Knott, and, and uh, uh, football team really responded on both sides of the ball, and, and uh, uh, the next 30 minutes or so, we, I, th- I thought we really dominated the football game. I think it's a culmination of experiences from from three years because we've got so many players that that have been playing that time since they were true freshmen or, or redshirt freshmen, and we're, we're finally a veteran football team. And, and we act like it. we acted like it in training camp. We acted like it in the pregame locker room, and, and uh, I thought we acted like it over the course of the football. Game. Rhodes was asked if the challenge in week one is helpful in preparing for the Iowa game. I believe we were the only Big 12 team that was an underdog uh, in the first game and, and uh, uh, a big part of that is, is the schedule. We, we played a very, very good Tulsa football team that, that we believe will contend for the Conference USA Championship and uh, to face adversity, to fight through it, to come out and, and, and win the ball game by, by 15 points. Um, we're excited about our start. Uh, now that one doesn't mean anything as you go into your second week's preparation and and uh, you just got to get right back to work. Rhodes indicates he doesn't think Iowa's offense is actually changing very much, even with new offensive coordinator Greg Davis. I don't think their mentality has changed uh, a whole lot. You know, Coach Ferentz is, is very involved with the offense over there. They're still going to be a run team, uh, and then the running back ran for 150 yards, and, and uh, they've got great play action off of that run game. They're going to take a number of shots still and then challenge you down the field. Uh, I, I think there's a lot more similarities uh, to what they've been in previous years than there are differences. Yeah, I mean, anytime you're 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 playing a rivalry game, I, I think there's heightened emotions and, and, and excitement and, and uh, reward that go along with that, as as well as the pain of, of the defeat. Um, I know the first two years back here. You know, we we got our butts handed to us, and and uh, uh, we we were never close in those football games, and that pain is probably a little bit more severe as well. But last year was it was a fun game, and then uh, both teams left that felt exhausted. And then any time you're part of a competition like that, uh, there, there there's great reward that goes along with it. Rhodes was asked if there is a different feeling that comes with a big win over in-state rival Iowa, like the one he got last year in Ames. Yeah, I mean. Anytime you're 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 playing a rivalry game, I, I think there's heightened emotions and, and, and excitement and, and uh, reward that go along with that, as as well as the pain of, of the defeat. Um, I know the first two years back here, 
you know, we, we got our butts handed to us, and, and uh, uh, we, we were never close in those football games, and that pain is probably a little bit more severe as well. But last year was, was a fun game, and, and both teams left that field exhausted. And any time you're part of a competition like that, uh, there, there, there's great reward that goes along with it. Paul Rhodes talks about the play of his starting quarterback, Steel Jantz, in the Tulsa game. He missed a couple things, and, and uh, the, the, the critical piece is always something a coach uh, sees first. Uh, some run reads that, that could have resulted in, in bigger gains for us, and, and uh, a couple balls he threw, uh, you know, needed a little bit better location. But, but all in all, I think he was much more composed than he was a year ago. Um, you know, his completion percentage was over 70%, which is uh, outstanding. Um, he directed our offense, and, and uh, there, there's no doubt he was in charge. And, and uh, for his first game back, um, very pleased overall with, with his uh, production. And Rhodes talks about going through preseason practice, then facing a strong Tulsa team in a season opener. The, the first game, you have a decent feel for for your team uh, if you've been in the program uh, like us now for four years. I mean, we, we knew we were more talented than we'd been the three previous years, and, and, and uh, with that talent, we felt we could be a better football team. But until you line up and start playing other people you don't know, getting the opportunity to play a very good Tulsa football team uh, helps us to, to, to gain confidence and, and credibility with your players. Uh, you practice 29 times before that first game, and you come out and lay an egg the first people that lose credibility are the coaches because uh, you, you've been selling things and you've been coaching things and this is the way we got to do it to be successful and if you come out and you're not successful you lose credibility so you're, you're happy with that with the victory and you're, and you're very happy uh, getting that against an accomplished team like the University of Tulsa <laughs> Hawkeyes Mike is always interested in and encourages listener feedback. Help make us better. Please provide us with your comments and suggestions for programs, guests, and topics by emailing feedback at hawkeyesmike.com or by calling toll-free 866-74-HAWKS. Interesting notes and facts from the annual renewal of the Iowa-Iowa State Cy-Hawk Trophy game this Saturday. Both teams won their season openers last weekend, but in different fashion. The Cyclones looked impressive in defeating a very good Tulsa team, coming from behind early to do so, while Iowa struggled, especially offensively, to pull off a late fourth-quarter victory over a tough Northern Illinois squad. Iowa holds a 39-20 advantage in this series, including wins in the last four in a row at Kinnick Stadium. But the Cyclones won last year's game in Ames 44-41 in triple overtime and took the Cy Hawk trophy away from the Hawks. Kinnick Stadium is likely Iowa's biggest single advantage going into Saturday's game. This year's game features a brand new trophy design after the controversial and somewhat mock design last year put forth by Iowa Corn. Iowa's rivalry trophy case is empty. The Hawks have lost all four of their most recent trophy games, so the team is definitely eager to start 
start filling it up again, not to mention wiping out the memories of last year's loss at Jack Trice Stadium. Kirk Ferentz is in his 17th year as a head coach, 14th as Iowa's, with an overall record of 109-87 and 97-66 and and with Iowa. He is the dean of the Big Ten coaches and fourth longest tenured coach now in the FBS. Paul Rhodes is in his fourth year at Iowa State, his only head coaching stop. He has a record of 19-20. and 20. A win in Iowa City this Saturday would get him to 500, and he has to like his chances with his deepest and most experienced squad. Rhodes is also the only coach in Iowa State history to take his teams to a pair of postseason bowls in his first three years. Last week's win over Tulsa was also ISU's 500th win in school history. Both teams also feature new offensive coordinators, and Iowa's defensive coordinator is also in his first year. Iowa will be wearing throwback uniforms in honor of the 1921 and 1922 teams. Those teams both posted 7-0 records and were 5-0 with perfect Big Ten marks. This will be Iowa's third game featuring throwback uniforms. The Hawkeyes have an overall 93-27-2 record in home openers over the years, and they have won their home opener the past 12 seasons. Matt Roth will serve as honorary captain for this game. Maybe they can put a throwback jersey on him and sneak him into the game. Roth was nearly unstoppable playing defensive end for the Hawkeyes. Two brothers will face off against each other. Wide receiver Jordan Cotton plays for Iowa, while his younger brother Darian Cotton is a defensive back for Iowa State. Their father is former Iowa player Marshall Cotton. The Big Ten Network is televising this game, and former Hawkeyes star and assistant coach Chuck Long will be in the booth as one of two expert commentators. This crew also features Kevin Kugler and Chris Martin, so this sets up as one of the best broadcast teams of the season for Iowa. Part 2 of our Reporter's Notebook this week features Scott Docterman. You can read Scott's articles in the Gazette and online at thegazette.com. Scott previews the Iowa-Iowa State game. Scott, a lot of lingering concerns about the Hawkeyes' performance in last week's opener against Northern Illinois, especially on offense. Any last thoughts about that game before we turn to Iowa State? Uh, you know, I, I think looking back, uh, the, the concern is, to me, in the passing game, I I think some of the concerns about the running attack were, were alleviated a little bit in light of a 30-carry performance by Damon Bullock. But what we saw were receivers who just couldn't get separation. You didn't see enough time in the pocket for James Vandenberg, and, and the blocking was suspect with six sacks. I mean, the complete 21 passes uh, for 129 yards is almost unheard of. I mean, that's a nice rushing day, but it's a terrible passing day. So to me, I think, you know, what they do going forward as a passing attack will dictate what happens not only on offense, but I think the rest of the season as an as offensive unit. So that has to change. And I'm sure they've talked about it. They seem pretty confident in talking to the players and coaches about it, that they think that they could get that ironed out. But thinking it and doing it are two different things, and it remains to be seen. If they can do it against Iowa State, then they'll move forward. If not, it could be a very long year. This Saturday, the Iowa Cyclones in-state rivalry resumes. There's a new version of the Cyhawk Trophy at stake after that fiasco last year. Overall, how do you think the two teams match up? I think right now the, the matchup is about even. And that's probably about the first time I could say that maybe in the last 10 years because uh, even the games Iowa State's won, they've won as an underdog. Going into this game, you look at uh, both teams, they have some exciting players and they also have some, some talented players. Uh, you know, looking at the Iowa State side, uh, that linebacker, you've got two NFL caliber guys and Jake Knott, A.J. Klein, both of which are probably two of the top 
10 or 12 linebackers in the country. Uh, they run the ball uh, with effectiveness. They've got a three-headed attack there, and they got Steel Jans, who Iowa fans will, would like to forget but can't after last year's performance. Iowa State is a dangerous team. They went to a bowl last year. They beat uh, one of the best teams in the country last year in Oklahoma State. So they are a team to be reckoned with. I think Iowa is, uh, you know, I, I don't know if we sold them short after Saturday's performance, but looking at it a little more closely, I think I saw some really good things. On defense, they played really well, especially in the second half. If you take away uh, the 73-yard touchdown run, they gave up negative five yards the rest of the half. That's amazing. That's something that I didn't expect. I thought they would be weaker on defense, and their their first half showed that a little bit, but their second half was uh, as good as they've maybe played defensively in the last couple of years. So I think that's an improvement. Uh, but how Iowa stops the running game and how their their passing attack kind of goes forward against uh, Iowa State will really determine what happens, uh, what win or loss on, on Saturday. Before we get down into the weeds a little bit more in that game, you wrote an interesting story this week in the Gazette about the revenue sharing ending in this series. Talk about that a little bit and how that likely impacts each school. Well, in the past, when they set up this agreement uh, you know, a long time ago, uh, that was just kind of actually the revenue wasn't that high in these games, first of all. And second of all, it was kind of a, an olive branch, if you will, maybe from Iowa to Iowa State. 20% of the gate goes to the visitor. Okay, we're going to get a little less out of this, but oh well. Well, it kind of got used against Iowa in the mid part of the decade and because uh, Iowa State figures it out a little differently. Iowa gives them 20% from the Iowa-Iowa State game. Iowa State gives Iowa 20% out of an average gate. So when Iowa bring 50,000 or 55,000 to Jack Trice, you know, at, at that point, Colorado or any of the smaller division schools that came in, might they might only get a crowd of 35,000. Well, they would take the average of that. And Iowa wasn't very happy with it, and especially when uh, Iowa State decided to jack up the, the visiting share ticket prices past $90. So uh, there was a real big discussion and, and an entanglement, really, uh, back in 2007, uh, whether or not that they had a deal past 2000. Uh, former athletic directors Bob Bowlesby and uh, Bruce Vanderbilt had written in not a contract, but correspondence that had the extension through 2020. Well, Iowa had the contract just through 2010, and after you know a very public discussion and posturing, uh, in 2008 they decided we're gonna, they're going to extend the, the series to 2017, a total of 10 years. The first five would include the 20% revenue share, and the next five would include just simply uh, winner take all or home gate take all because it has always benefited Iowa State, which has a smaller uh, a smaller stadium to get from Iowa. I believe in the last four trips they've get, got somewhere near 2.4 million, where Iowa's got about 1.5 million out of Jack Drive. So uh, going forward uh, after this year, it's you know home team uh, gets gets the the full amount and. I think both sides are okay with it at this point. That's pretty fascinating. Back to the on-field action. How much improvement do you expect to see out of the Hawkeyes this weekend, and particularly in what areas? I think the passing game will improve. It has to improve. I mean, you know, people can get upset at at a Kirk Ferentz style of play once in a while. Sometimes it's a little close to the best or conservative. But, you know, one thing is you you can't make any mistake in the fact that they always improve. Um, A lot of people are drawing parallels with this game against Northern Illinois to the 2009 version. Against, two, uh, against Northern Iowa, and uh, that game was also a one-point win for Iowa. Everybody felt pretty bad about it. And then the next week, Iowa went out and beat Iowa State 35-3. to 
don't think anybody's predicting that this year because Iowa State's better and Iowa's maybe not quite as good. But I think the passing game will be uh, much improved. I think we'll see, you know, Vandenberg, you know, he did throw for 3,000 yards last year. I think you're going to see a better version of him and more fluidity, rhythm, and tempo on offense. I think that's what we have to expect from Iowa. If it doesn't improve, it's going to be a, it could be a very long season. But I, I think based on the past, based on what's previously coached Kirk Ferentz teams, the, the, the difference between week one and week two will be uh, stark. Talking about passing, how important it is, not only in this game, but for the rest of the season, for them to make some more downfield passing attempts. I mean, you're not going to get away with uh, winning many games against good teams with only one downfield passing attempt a game. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, they just, uh, you know, they had one deep pass and everybody in the stadium could see where it was going at that point. Uh, They didn't have enough protection to throw vertically, and that's something they need to do. I mean, uh, with weapons like C.J. Fedorowicz, who caught three passes but uh, really wasn't targeted very much, he did have a drop. You know, you could stretch the field. Uh, He's such a mismatch problem uh, because he's 6'7". He can, you know, out-jump safeties and and he's faster than linebackers and then you know but you also wonder do they have anybody that can stretch the field and uh, and that's that's a legitimate concern I mean Keenan Davis has been was pretty good last year as kind of the the complimentary piece in the passing game Uh, but he has yet to really show that he can be the lead piece as same deal with uh, Devontae Martin Manley and other players have marginal experience like Don Shumpert and Jacob Hillier. So what that means going forward is somebody's going to have to be the lead receiver and start and go vertical uh, for Iowa to be successful because otherwise you're going to see a lot of bunched up coverage. Uh, eight men in the box, and there's no way to really run effectively against that type of front. There were some troubling offensive stats last week, but one of the ones I found most interesting, and Greg Davis has talked ever since he came in, about taking advantage of whatever the defense is doing, and that may mean one game passing way more than running, and the opposite in the next game, and so forth. In that NIU game, they had an almost perfect numerical run-pass balance. I wonder what you expect this Saturday. I think it'll be comparable. Uh, You know, Iowa will need to get the passing game going, but uh, this is first and foremost a Kirk Ferentz coach team. The running game did not change, not at all. And they still, the only thing that changed about the running game was the way they call it. Uh, That's that they're calling into plays. Everything else stayed the same. So uh, there will be close to balance. Now, uh, he's given him free reign when it came to the passing game. And uh, we, you, you wonder how much is left in the bank, how much they decided not to take with them to Chicago. Did they decide, you know, let's make it a kind of dumb it down for the first game, make it easy on everybody, and then it, then find out, oh, boy, this isn't really that good. Or, uh, you know, maybe it was just a first-time thing. I didn't see a lot of rhythm on offense either. So so going forward, I think that's uh, what, what we really need to see is probably continue the balance. But uh, as you mentioned before in the question before, uh, stretch the field a little more. I'm sure you talked about it earlier, but I'm sure from Iowa State's perspective, the play of their linebackers will be critical in this game to keeping Iowa's offense in check. Absolutely. I mean, they have you know, some terrific linebackers. And A.J. Klein, I mean, he was co-defensive player of the year in the Big 12 last Last year, and, and Jake Knott is, you know, he played last year with a torn labrum in his shoulder. I mean, as soon as the season was over, he was ready to, uh, you know, to, uh, you know, have surgery and it's been out. But, you know, he made some plays, and Kurt Ferentz referenced it, where, you know, one play last week, long pass over the top, and, and he, uh, you know, he ran down the field and forced a fumble. I mean, those two guys excel at both ends of the, of the game, pass. 
pass and run defense, and they're going to cause some problems. It's just going to be a matter of can Iowa get to the second level to block them with their linemen because the fullbacks aren't in there, aren't going to be able to do it. Certainly nobody should expect Damon Bullock to, to break tackles when he gets to the second level. It's got to be guards, it's got to be centers, it's got to be tackles, put hat on a hat to ensure that David Bullock can, can break free a little bit. Last year, and already this season, one of the first and primary words we heard almost every week after Iowa faced a mobile quarterback in a hurry-up offense was the word contain. Obviously, that came in part from Steel Jantz's performance last year, and I know Ferentz and the players have talked about it this week already, getting ready for Iowa State. What do you expect to see this week in, in terms of their attempt to contain Jantz? I think they will make every attempt for their defensive line men or their outside linebacker, who's ever in that gap on the along the outside, to just hold the line, stay there, do not allow him to get outside of you. That that's something that Iowa did horribly last year, and and Steel Jansen is fast and accurate. He can make plays uh, with his arms or with his legs. So that's something they have to do and force the inside to collapse. Uh, now, we don't know if they're going to be blitzing a lot, you know, and if that's the case, they're containing him, keep him inside the pocket, force pressure up the middle so he's got to make a decision with the pass uh, because if, if they somehow start chasing ghosts and, and let the contain go, he's going to get outside wide and Last year, as we saw in the last drive of regulation, with Iowa leading by a touchdown, you know he was able to uh, get wide and convert third and 15 and third and 20. Those are those are plays that you just cannot allow if you're a defense, and uh, and so that's what we saw was the mistake, and that's the easiest thing to correct. Physically, it's a little more difficult, but mentally, certainly, stay in your lane. Do not let him get outside of you is something that Joe Gaglione, Steve Begak, and Dominic Alvis will will probably be dreaming about this week. Special teams performance for both games last Saturday was really very good, and games in this series often seem to come down to key special teams play. And uh, they seem to always do. I mean, it's about field position. I think that's the most underrated stat maybe in football is uh, where do you get the ball? You know, the, the difference between a 25-yard punt off somebody's foot or a 45-yard boomer that you fair catch. Uh, uh, Kirby Vanderkamp is one of the best punters in the nation. Uh, he's, he's a West Des Moines kid. He's somebody that I think Iowa should respect. And it's going to be interesting to see what Micah Hyde does with the punts. He had a couple of nice returns the other day. Uh, but last year, he, he fair caught uh, way too many probably and, and let a few go that he shouldn't have. Uh, likewise, Mike Meyer was four for five uh, in field goals. It might come down to that. Last year he was four for four against Iowa State. So I think uh, being able to uh, win the kicking game is going to be crucial because I don't think anybody thinks this is going to be a blowout. I don't think anybody sees this as 35-7 to seven or 35-3 like it was two and three years ago. I think people see this as uh, kind of like last year, maybe not the score the same, but I think most people are going to say this could be close, it could go either way, it could be about turnovers, it could be about field position, about who makes a field goal, who misses a field goal, who converts on third down. I mean, all the small things of a regular football game are going to be in play on, on Saturday, which is something that few people have been able to predict over the last Last 10 years, but I think that's what makes this uh, a special game and a unique game this year. There's been chatter over the years about the preparation for this game and Kirk's personality. At this week's press conference, Ference was actually asked about the impact of the difference in the personalities, his versus Paul Rhodes, who's, well, let's just say he's very emotional. How do you see that playing itself out? Well, I, you know, one of the things that uh, I talked to a previous Iowa State player about this, and Iowa State has a little more momentum off the top, it seems. They seem to be a little more excited about the game, that, and I think that's due to emotion. But once you get past 
the first series or two, it's the, the emotion kind of subsides and it's about your fundamentals. Uh, once you've been hit a few times, it's not about how excited you were before the game. It's about the game itself. So uh, one thing you can really appreciate about Kirk Ferentz is he takes it all seriously, but it's, it's single focus. It's not really about we've got to make this game more important than any other. And I think Paul Rhodes to some extent is that way too. He's excited about every game. I think the emotional state can be helpful, but it can also hurt you. If you allow a big play early, then you let down more easily unless you've got a straight-ahead of focus. But with that said, this means an awful lot to the fan bases of both groups. I think Iowa fans uh, begrudgingly accept uh, Iowa State as a rival and immensely dislike them when they lose to them. And I know Iowa State fans are very excited for the game every year. So it's been a very close, hard-fought rivalry over the years uh, since 1998. But uh, I, I think... The, 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 the contrast and styles from the two coaches make it that much more interesting. Paul Rhodes, nobody gives a better speech in a locker room speech than him. Uh, however, Kirk Ferentz, you can argue that over the years when they've had disappointing losses like last year to Minnesota, they turn right around, bounce back, and beat a good team from Michigan. So I think both styles work. They're contrasting but they're effective. As we wrap up this preview for Iowa, in your mind, who are the key players you'll be focusing on Saturday, both offensively and defensively? You know, I think for both sides, for both teams, you got to look at quarterbacks. Steel Jance, what he can do, what he did last year. If he can do it again, it's going to be tough for Iowa to win. Likewise, James Vandenberg, he got a little bit of happy feet, a little timid at times, I thought, last week against Northern Illinois. Six sacks will do that to you. Get blindsided a few times will do that to you. But if he can be the quarterback that we saw in several games, last year, I think Iowa will be fine. But those two are the are the key crucial parts to that. I think likewise I, I would look at the run defense for Iowa. Uh, can they they had a really good effort in the second half against Northern Illinois. Can they do that again? Can they limit the, the running attack? Iowa State has three really good running backs. On defense, I would look at Iowa State secondary. They had to replace a couple of good players, especially Leonard Johnson, who's in the NFL. So uh, can can uh, James Vanderbilt take advantage of that? Can they stop the pass? So I think really, you know, it's a it's a balanced game. Uh, the line shows it, and I think it's going to come down to all those little things that we always talk about football games. You know, who can stop who on third down? Who can stop the run? Who can make their field goals and uh, field position and turnovers? So uh, I'm looking forward to it. It should be a really good test for both teams. Prediction? I'm going to go with Iowa. Very close. I'm going to go, I, I want to say 24-23. I think it's going to be a field goal game one way or the other. Either somebody makes it or somebody misses it. But Iowa at Kinnick Stadium, I, I, I think Iowa is, is, I think I'll just go Iowa 24-23. That was brilliant. If you're Kirk Ferentz, how do you feel about this performance on both sides of the ball? I think you feel good about Damon Bullock. You found a running back out of all the injuries that you've had. You found a guy that you can count on, but I think you have to go back and, and really assess what you're trying to do when you get closer to the goal line in the red zone offense. Well, Iowa win its 12th straight opener and hand Northern Illinois its first loss in its last 10 games, bringing an end to the longest win streak in the FBS. <laughs> Just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com, go to the News and Events section, and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes, and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeyes stories 
stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette, the Hawkeye, and the Quad City Times. And listen to Brent Balbinot on Hawkeye's Mike and on the Balbinot and Brommel Camp Show weekdays 4 to 7 p.m. on KGYM AM 1600, ESPN Sports Radio in Cedar Rapids, and at KGYMRadio.com. Postgame show is brought to you by... Christ, I can't find it. The hell with it. Hawkeye's Mike Football Shows are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer, the revolutionary antimicrobial hand sanitizer that is alcohol-free and lasts all day with a single application. Try the hand sanitizer the Iowa Hawkeyes use. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group, Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Network in Coralville, Iowa. Call 319-512-6261 or toll free 800-883-0842. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Our thanks again to ESPNU for the game highlights this week, and thanks to our contributors, Steve Batterson and Scott Docterman. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you will participate. By phoning and making your own voice heard on our shows, call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really, a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.